right. Uh. I'm here at the Overberg Get Scrap Metal and Waste at 7 Agri Avenue in Caledon. I'm going to interview Chad about recycling. So we'll see how that goes. Welcome to My Way, a podcast that shares the stories of people who are doing life their way. Listen along as we explore what works, what doesn't, and the experience that happens no matter which path we choose. I'm your host, Sunny Collins. Thanks for listening. Sunny here. Welcome to episode 35 of My Way. So I think this might be a good time to tell you about my personal connection to recycling. About 10 years ago, I was living in Boston, and for some reason I can't quite recall, I made the decision to keep catalog and write a weekly blog about all the plastic in my life. And if you're interested in reading about my journey, you can go to noplastic.blogspot.com. That's K-N-O-W plastic.blogspot.com. The template is a bit dated, but the info is still relevant and, dare I say, humorous at times. And even further back in my timeline, I served as the coordinator of sustainable programs for a school of public health in Houston, Texas. And in addition to keeping composting worms in the parking garage, this led me to the exciting task of dissecting the school's rubbish and recycling bins to see what people were doing with their waste. So I've been scratching my head over this whole art and science of recycling and waste management for about 20 years. And as I was creating this story, one of my favorite podcasts called Planet Money came out with a fantastic two-part series on the state of the global recycling market. So you should definitely check that out. I'll put the links to my blog and the Planet Money episodes in the show notes. Today's episode is the fourth part of a super local but ultimately global story on the realities of recycling. And disclaimer, in this episode, we are in a scrapyard, so you'll definitely hear that. Enjoy the episode. Okay, so my name is Chad, my surname is Dean. I am the branch manager in Caledon for Get Scrap. Um, I've started here, actually I'm not here long, I'm only here about a little bit more than a year now. Before working for Get Scrap, Chad worked in the meatpacking industry, and within three months of starting at the branch in Strand, he was asked to open up a new branch of Get Scrap here in Caledon. And this is one of the locations where Booty comes to sell his scrap that he collects from Grayton. Now, the prices differ at each branch, so Booty could take a bucky load of scrap metal to the Caledon branch because it's closer, but the price that they quote him isn't as high as what he could get in Strand. So he often goes to Strand because he feels like even though it costs more in fuel to get there, the higher price he can get for his loads is worth it. So Booty will be more likely to drop his bulky light steel items in Caledon, but for his heavier and less bulky scrap, he could earn, let's say, 2,000 rands more per load, so the trip to Strand makes more sense. Get Scrap opened in 2012 and already has eight branches and over 200 employees. And this yard, since day one, yes. the yard just grows and grows and grows. It's... It's actually scary how much scrap is here in Canada. It just doesn't come to an end. 
But it makes sense when you think about it, based on what kind of town Caledon is. It's a farm town, and with that comes a lot of scrap metal. And as a point of interest, Get Scrap is right next door to the South African Brewery's malting plant, one of three and the largest in the country. And it produces about 180,000 tons of malted barley a year. And Chad says that they pick up scrap from them about twice a month. The brewery is like really tip-top when it comes to their waste, everything, even their scrap. Everything is recorded. You don't ride out there with one kilo of stuff that's not been recorded. So, so they were really on the ball. SAB is the second largest brewery in the world and subscribes to the triple bottom line, which is people, planet, and profit. And you can see this prominently on their website. And as a part of their Better World initiative, they have sustainability goals set for 2025. Smart agriculture, water stewardship, climate action, entrepreneurship, and circular packaging. And the goal with this packaging is that 100% of their packaging will be returnable or made from a majority of recycled content by 2025. And they aren't just concerned about the stewardship of their own business, but the businesses that they work with. They did research. (laughs) They wanted to know. They even came to audit in our yard to make sure the standard of our yard, obviously what happens with if there's oil, does the oil seep into the ground? Mm-hmm. Do we have things that clean the oils up? What spillages? How long does the steel stay here? Wow. Because it's going to lay here for six months. It's going to rust. The rust is going to go into the ground. So very safety conscious. I actually take my hat off to them. They, they do really a good job here. Chad says that it's easy to build good relationships with people and businesses in Caledon, but he said that it's also very easy to lose a good reputation if your business practice is shady. For a business like Get Scrap, they have to be very careful that someone isn't trying to make money off of stolen goods. And to ensure against this, they log every single purchase electronically and they document every person who comes through their yard by logging their ID number and recording them on their security cameras. In addition, Chad and the staff at Get Scrap reserve the right to refuse any items that they feel are suspicious. And with things like copper, there's a seven-day waiting period before they pay out just in case it has been stolen. This waiting period allows time for any reports of theft to come in. And also, when they accumulate a certain amount of copper, they transfer it to another location because it can become too risky to keep it on site. So you must be very careful. As, as long as we buy everything legally, we and, and you've got to use your common sense. Yeah. I mean, you can see, like, my guys on the scales, like, they're quite awake. They, they get to know the guys. You get the same faces every single day. You'll get the guys that come from the dump. They'll come here every time with a little bit of steel, a little bit of ca- alley cans, normally white paper, um, a lot of cardboard, things like that. And sometimes when they come with copper and brass, it'll always be, like, 0.3 grams or sometimes a kilo and then all of a sudden they come one day with five kilos copper you know listen there's a problem straight away they're like i'll call me and say listen yeah come to the scale here's a problem but it, it's yesterday a guy came here yesterday afternoon with a with a bird a bird cage with a stand but the bird cage just came flat so i chased him away because obviously it came with somebody's stoop I want to know where the bird is. But he obviously walked past someone's house and someone's poor bird was standing on the stoop and he climbed over, probably let the bird go and just... It's scary what the guys do. Yeah, it's crazy. 
You can't show everybody away. Otherwise, you, you're never ever going to get scrapped. And it's very hard to judge who actually steals. I was going to ask, like, what's the smallest amount you've ever paid out to somebody? I, I don't know. Uh, 60 cents, 70 cents. And then you have, so you have receipts for all for of For every little thing. The first time you come here, we put you on the system, mm. and any time after that, we can put your, we just have to put your name in, yeah. and your whole history will come up. In some cases, if someone had something stolen, they go straight to the scrapyards to give them a heads up. But Chad says that they have good working relationships with both the police and LRV security, especially when it comes to avoiding the resale of stolen scrap. Um, the stuff that comes from the road, you've got to be so wary of. Like, I refuse to take um, brass steps and stuff from the guys who are walking by the, the gates. Because when we open up here in Caledon, guys are stealing brass steps. And that was a big problem here. So I went to the, the police station and I went to ask them, what, what's the biggest problem you guys have if it's stolen? So they said to us, brass steps, copper pipes, brass fittings. So we were very careful about, about things like that. We normally just show the guys away, and actually by doing that, the cops, the one detective was actually biased the one day to say, but listen here, the theft of the, of the brass steps is like just a dive, because... They can't sell it. They can't sell it, then they don't steal it. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of wire. You get like a lot of, of this extension lead wire. The guys bring a lot of that in. But now what they do is they, they burn the wire. So you also be very careful that there's no ESCOM wire or TELCOM wire. Oh. And luckily we, we know the like difference. Like they'll burn the, the covering off? They'll burn the cover off. Then it's just clean copper inside. Because obviously yeah. it's worth more. And then they'll try to mix it with, with ESCOM wire and stuff, which is a big problem. ESCOM, Transnet, Municipality, and TELCOM. Those four things you stay away from. How do you know if it's ESCOM wire or... No, no, we've, we've got um, pamphlets up. You'll, I'll show you outside, Nana. Okay. Um, that you get to learn straight away what... You, you can see the difference between yes. ESCOM and normal wire. Okay. It's, you've got to be so careful. Okay. And if you get caught with the stuff, like I say, uh, it's not just a fine, it's all the other stuff that goes with it. Yeah. Transnet, they get you a Transnet stuff. Oh, it's endless hassles. So it's not even worth to try buying a piece of train track yeah. or because the guys do they steal the nuts they steal those little brackets and all the train tracks yeah. and if you get caught to this stuff I mean if, if a train should derail because of something like that I don't I, I don't want it on me that I bought it in my yard so you'd rather just stay away from it right. municipality also you got to watch out drains drain lids we don't buy at all you stay away from it the frames of the drains um, like you get a lot of guys from the streets they'll come in with um, galvanized pipe uh, normally the piping that holds up the fences and stuff we turn them away with it because obviously they broke it off at a school field or they broke it off at a rugby field but we turn them away it's, it's just not worth it to be caught with that it's stolen goods it's just no. not worth it no. and if they can't sell it they're just not going to steal it we get our inspections basically almost every day from uh, Sergeant Kruter almost every day yeah, wow. yeah. There will be maybe a day or two that she doesn't show up. Yeah. We've got a, a register here. Yeah. And she goes to all the places as much as she can, and she just walks through. She goes. She, she will print a list from our computer, see what we bought in the last seven days. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
and it and it helps because yeah. I mean she'll get there she'll see maybe two batteries laying there and she'll ask listen here where the batteries come from because the night before somebody complained the truck batteries were missing and and it's very easy to catch the guys like yeah and again all of this makes sense to me because scrap metal especially the non-ferrous materials like copper and brass are valuable it just makes good business and environmental sense to reclaim the metals already in the system rather than continuing to mine for raw materials. So Get Scrap and Caledon will then transport what they have to some of their other branches, mainly Strand, Broadlands, and Atlantis, in order to be sorted, weighed, crushed, and baled. But then what? Well, Chad says that most of it stays within South Africa because exporting it just means more work in the form of paperwork and permits. So they tend to stay local. For instance, they might sell to a place like Saldana Steel, where they will then refine that scrap into new roof sheeting. And so, what, so do you recycle at home? No. <laughs> no, I stay in Somerset West. In Somerset West, then there should be recycling. There is, there is, there is recycling in Somerset West. Okay, but uh, you guys just don't do it. No, I don't. The thing is, we've got such, such little. We haven't got much, a lot of rubbish. I work all day, my wife works all day. So we'll come home and make pasta and things like that. Everything is quick and easy. Yeah. And we just throw it in. I mean, I think a black bag, we take almost a week to fill up a black bag. But we should actually recycle. Yeah. But for us to recycle, to have three or four bins standing there, it, it's going to attract more flies. Because we also stay on a small farm. So. It's going to attract a lot of flies, all these dogs are going to interfere with it. Yeah. I know it's not, a, it's not really a good excuse, but... Okay, I'm not that guy who carries a reusable bag. Really? I'm, I'm, I must admit, I'm very lazy. <laughs> well, that's just... But that's just habit forming. I, I couldn't believe that scrap was such a big industry. Yeah. It's something that people take for granted very easily. Yeah, it's, and it is something I don't think many people really think about or know about. I mean, if you think about how many people go to a scrapyard, it's not much. No. It's really... Like I say, if you clean your garage out, you just want the stuff gone. Yeah. But you don't know it's like eight, nine arrangements with a scrap laying there. If people actually know the value of the stuff and they take it away themselves, you won't have so much theft. I mean, I've, I've got people that come here, like I want to go work, clean, clean the workshop out. Mm. And then they get the money and they're like, take the money and walk like, yo, this is so much money. Now they come every week with a bucket load of stuff. Chad said that they process about 40 tons of heavy steel and 20 tons of light steel per month, which he says is relatively small compared to other yards. And if we zoom out and back, we can see that as a whole, we are landfilling so many of these metals that can and should be used again. I'm sure you've heard of the Global Metals Flow Working Group at the UN Environment Program, right? Me neither. Well, anyway, they put out a report in 2011 that explored the recycling rate for 60 different metals worldwide, basically just over half of the periodic table of elements, everything from iron to mercury and lots of elements you've probably never heard of. And trying to understand, moreover, track the recycling of metals is really complex. And to sum up, this report indicates, not surprisingly, that we have a lot of catching up to do to make recycling of these metals economically feasible and technologically capable of dealing with not only what we create, but also the speed at which we create. 
And we're very good at innovating and creating new products, especially in the area of technology. However, we seem to have a harder time thinking about the full life cycle of those products. And right now, we generally operate in a linear economy, which starts at one point with products and ends at another point with garbage. But we need to shift to a circular economy, an economy that thrives on using and reusing what's already in the system and creating as little waste as possible. And if we're as creative as we are at the beginning of a process, I'm sure that we can apply that innovation and creativity to the end of a process as well. And if you think the recycling rate of metals has nothing to do with you, think again. Among other things, if you drive a car, fly in planes, or use electronics of any kind, this has everything to do with you. Without copper, nickel, silver, gold, cobalt, lithium, lead, zinc, gallium, indium, iron, chromium, niobium, tantalum, and titanium, you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast on your cell phone right now. And with the global human population estimated to reach 8.6 billion by 2030, we have to drastically improve the way we use and reuse our finite resources, whether it's a half a gram of gold or a half a ton of steel. Thanks for listening to this episode of our series, Recycling Realities. Join us next time for our final episode in the series where we go to an even bigger scrapyard and talk all things plastic. And again, be sure and check out the related links to the episode in the show notes. Please take a moment to rate the podcast on iTunes. This is a huge help for the podcast, and it only takes a moment to scroll down and click on the number of stars you think it deserves. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and follow at Podcast Cowgirl on Facebook and Instagram for photos and updates. See you next time. <laughs>